Sports fans rejoice. You're listening to my team, my voice with MTMV Sports. Hey, yo, what up? It's Tori Deshaun, a.k.a. Boopy, and you listening to MTMV Sports. Scat. And now, the Time Fight fans all across the globe have been waiting for. It's the MTMV main card with your man, The Voice. As always, let's start off with some headlines and hot takes. The LFA hosted its last show on Access TV last week. This marks the end of an era, as the former HDNet was home to MMA for over a decade and gave a platform for many fighters to be seen. LFA is the marriage of two of the most prominent promotions on that platform as of late. Legacy Fighting Championship, which launched the careers of Holly Holm, Mackenzie Dern, and Sage Northcutt, and Resurrection Fighting Alliance, led by Anderson Silva's manager, Ed Soares, who is the president of the merch companies. LFA is the primary feeder league for the UFC and has shows nearly every Friday. Because of this relationship, they're one of the few organizations that gets to use an octagon for their fighters to engage in combat in. I'm not sure where they'll land, but I know it's not going to be the zone due to the history that they have with the UFC. I can see them going to someone like CBS Sports or Fight Pass. Now, speaking of the zone, Kombache's deal with them must be up because I don't see their Friday night fight on the zone schedule, nor is the zone listed as a broadcast partner on Kombache's site. I know the zone's deal with Jungle Fight should be starting soon, and maybe it's going to take their place. The time is very interesting with the upcoming Tito Ortiz, Alberto Del Rio bout looming. More details will be coming from me as they're made available. The UFC is trying to trademark the terms BMF and baddest mother shut your mouth. You know, it's your man, the voice. And, uh, try to keep things clean for the kids when the kids be able to listen to the podcast anyway they don't want it being used in any sporting capacity going forward except by them and Dana White said that this is the only time the BMF title will be used right now speaking of the BMF title it will be defended at the UFC's 500th live event 500 events man that is like phenomenal at the press conference for this fight to me it was beautiful game recognized game so neither of the headliners G status was questioned or tested it was all respect between Diaz and Masvidal no trash talk that made it one of the best press conferences ever, at least in my sight. Because with all that civility, you still walked away geek about seeing this fight. There's so many quotable moments from it. From Jorge in his Scarface suit saying, he's not God, but he'll baptize you. To Nate's clapback 
at the journalist trying to drag him for being vegan, saying, the Terminator's vegan. Nate did a masterful job of driving home the point that this was for the BMF title, a title that he defended against Anthony Pettis in his last fight. So he says, and so he made sure Dana White shared with the listening audience as well. At every turn, he talked about it, including when asked why fight fans should buy this pay-per-view versus Canelo Kovalev. In Bellator News, Raytheon Stiles was campaigning on social media, trying to fill in for Callum Eleanor, who was supposed to fight James Gallagher in the Bellator Dublin main event next week. Definitely would have loved to see that one. But the once beaten Bantamweight was probably too stiff a challenge in what looks to be a showcase fight for the strip animal. So, in steps UFC, LFA, and Combate America's veteran, Roman El Gaito Salazar. Since leaving the UFC, he's gone 3-5, and five, making him the perfect candidate for a late notice replacement. He's got some name value, and he should be a soft enough touch that Gallagher can get the win in front of the Dublin faithful. On our prayer list this week, we have Austin Thud Hubbard, who got the victory at UFC Vancouver, but it came at a great price. He suffered from a rare condition called compartment syndrome that caused some abnormal swelling in his leg, swelling so severe that it caused him to faint after the fight. Emergency surgery was needed to release the pressure. Now, speaking of emergency surgery, Angela, Your Majesty Magania was scheduled to fight for Kombache in April, but she had to have emergency back surgery. She was just on my mind this week, so I wanted to make sure to keep her in prayer because I hadn't heard anything else regarding her condition. Then I thought, okay, before creating uh, this podcast in the segment, but let me go check the socials going on there's no activity on ig but based on twitter it looks like she's back to training even doing some skateboarding she's also working cuts for boxing corners so i just pray that she's able to stay healthy and do the things that she enjoys doing also praying for jacare Souza this week he told Guillermo cruz of mma fighting about his struggles with mental health to quote him, man, I was thinking about stopping. I had a psychological problem. I was burned out. I would drive to the gym and cry in the car and say, man, what am I doing going to the gym? My wife found a psychologist for me. I'm working on that once a week. And that's helped me a lot, end quote. The former Strike Force champ has been competing professionally for 16 years and that doesn't count his BJJ career after losing his last bout which should have put him in his much desired spot as a title contender for the first time in the UFC as in so many other fights he lost now he's moving up to light heavyweight starting over again and hopefully he's able to find peace as he continues to pursue his combat career. Birthdays for this week. We got Platinum Mike Perry, Brandon Bull Halsey, Tyson Pedro, Felice the Little Bulldog Herrick, 
Volcan, no time, Ozdemir, The Eagle, Habib Nurmagomedov, Josh DePont Thompson, and UFC Mexico City's curtain jerker, Martin Toro Bravo. Up next, some sweet science conversation in the old one too. Yeah, yeah! RAERadio.com brings you the block. Every day from 8 to midnight Central Time, we got the best in urban inspirational music. So every night, go on swing through the block on RAERadio.com. Time to go between the ropes and step into the squared circle for the old one-two. In boxing news this week, after his win to claim the interim WBC title, Devin Haney skillfully called out Nomachenko. That's right, Nomachenko. Not Vasily Lomachenko. He wouldn't let the ring interviewer call the powerful power champ by any name other than Nomachenko. He said it's because Nomachenko doesn't want to fight me. So until he steps up to fight me, he's Nomachenko. Haney will have a quick turnaround in a featured fight on the KSI Logan Paul card on November 9th. As boxing pressers go, there wasn't much to build the headlining fight for Canelo Kovalev. There was a little bit of buzz though regarding some of the other fights made. I'll share more about them on the fight nights update dropping next week one of the biggest wild cards for this fight which buddy mcgurt praised canelo for is the fact that there's no catch weight or rehydration clause with this match being contested at the highest weight that canelo has ever fought at yeah this is big pardon the pun Especially when Canelo and his team is notorious for adding rehydration clauses to contracts. Case in point, Daniel Jacobs lost money in the Canelo fight, which he had recently, because he came in on the day of the fight above the contracted rehydration amount. And he just chose not to cut down and make the amount that they agreed to. If I remember correctly, there was also a rehydration clause in the Rocky Fielding contract as well. Now, Canelo and team could have said, let's do it at 172 pounds, which technically would be heavy enough for the title, but play into Canelo's advantages coming up in weight. How much of a difference will that make on fight night remains to be seen. It's fight season on the zone. And I think it's a wonderful marketing strategy that they employed starting last week. They tried to say that the Mungia fight was a part of it, but that's a stretch. You do get Triple G in two weeks, Canelo in November, and Ruiz Joshua 2 in December. 
the fact that we get Usyk making his heavyweight debut later on in October, Katie Taylor to really start off the month in October, and then the Logan Paul KSI match. Does it make the last quarter a bad quarter at all? Doesn't hurt things in one bit and makes fight season a real thing for the zone. In the televised lineup this weekend, Friday, September 20th, from Midland, Texas, on Showtime, you have in the co-main event, 16-0 with five knockouts, Ruben, RV4 Villa versus Jose El Eljector Vivas in 10-round WBO international belt will be on the line. It's a 10-round fight. That belt will be on the line, which you know just shows you it's uh, one of those many, many belts that's out there because it's not a 12-rounder. Uh, the main event hits 13-0 with 10 knockouts. Michael the West Texas Warrior Dutch over versus 14 1 1 with 10 knockouts. Thomas Gunnerman Matisse in a 10 round lightweight bout. On Facebook, you got a couple Facebook cards this weekend, but on Facebook on Friday from Vegas, promoted by Mayweather Promotions, 20 and 5 with 11 knockouts. Lionel Lonnie B. Thompson versus 34 and 13 and 1 with 17 knockouts. Scott Cujo Sigmund. It's a 10 round fight at Super Middleweight. On Saturday, September 21st, another Facebook card. This one, though, featuring Joseph Jojo Diaz, who's 29 and 1 with 15 knockouts, versus Jesus Coardo who's 18 and 5 with 14 knockouts. On the line will be the WBA Super, I'm sorry, WBA Gold Super Featherweight title. So that's a 12-round affair. Uh, it's the gold title because the Super Featherweight Super title <laughs> will be contested about a week or so later between uh Pro Gray and Taylor. Yet another fight that's making the zones uh, season of fight that much more exciting on Fox Sports 1 on Saturday you got 12-0 with 4 knockouts Chris Primetime Colbert versus 33-7 Miguel Bertrand Jr. that's a 10 round featherweight bout also have 24-3-1 with 16 knockouts Thomas DeLorme versus 18-0 with 13 knockouts Terrell Williams in a 10 round welterweight bout the main event is a super middleweight 12 round bout between 34 1 and 1 with 23 knockouts Peter Kidd Chocolate Quillen and 25 and 7 with 21 knockouts Alfredo Pero Angulo let's take a pause for the cause and when I come back I'll preview UFC Mexico City The Octagon sets up shop at Arena Ciudad de Mexico for UFC Mexico City. 
This is one of those rare five-fight, non-pay-per-view main cards. There's some heat on the undercard, though. You got Sajara Eubanks versus Besh Kohea, Sergio Pettis versus the debuting Tyson Nam at Flyweight, Angela Hill, Polo Reyes, uh, Jose El Teco Quinones, Paul the Bear Jew Craig. I mean, you got fighters upon fighters upon fighters on the undercard. And every fight on the main card features fighters from Mexico and all four of the fighters on the main and co-main have Latin roots as well. Of the 12 scheduled fights, each one of them has a competitor from Latin America or at least a fighter with Latin roots. In the featherweight curtain jerker, 11-2 Martin Toro Bravo and 17-9 Steven Ocho Peterson start the party off. Last time Bravo won, it was a fight against the overall curtain jerker, Claudio Puelles. That was close to three years ago. He's only averaged a fight a year, and the last two fights that he's had have been the only blemishes on his record. Ocho is also on a two-fight losing streak, and he's two of three in his last five fights. This could be a loser-leaves-the-company kind of bout. Both have four knockouts apiece, and most of their wins are by submission. Neither have been submitted, though, so it could be anyone's fight. In the second fight, you got 10-5 Irene Robles-Eldana, who faces 10-5 Vanessa Miss Simpatia Mello, and it's a bantamweight bout. Though coming in on a five-fight win streak, Mello is a very big underdog. That's probably due to the fact that she's making her UFC debut in such a high-profile fight and on very short notice. She beat the likes of Molly McCann, but outside of that, there's little competition on her dossier. She has a couple submissions on her record, but most times she gets a decision. Her last fight was at flyweight, so she's going to come in yeah, at a level where she's not going to weigh nearly as much as Aldana, especially seeing as she even came in light for flyweight in her last bout. Aldana has the same record as she does, though, and is the same age as she is, but she simply has a lot more going for her. Of Aldana's victories, 80% of them have been by stoppage. Robles made noise and Invicta before coming to the UFC, where she's averaged two fights a year and will be making her seventh trip to the Octagon for this bout. A win lifts Aldana above 500 overall in the UFC. She was preparing to face Marion Renault in the co-main, but an injury forced a change last week. Is that enough time to adjust, or could Melo catch lightning in a bottle? The voices marking matchup pits undefeated former ACB flyweight champ 10-0 Oscar Bullet Askarov against Tough 24 vet 15-5 Brandon Assassin Baby Moreno. Bullet is making his UFC debut fighting for only the second time outside of his native Russia and for the first time outside of Eastern Europe. The pressure shouldn't be too much for him as he's defended his title 
in a headliner in his hometown in 2017. This is the first fight in nearly 16 months though for him and the third in as many years for Oscar. If anything, timing may be an issue due to the longest layoff in the Bullets' career as well as fighting at altitude in Mexico City. None of his fights have gone to the judges either. And that fight that I spoke about in his hometown when he was defending his title, yeah, he pulled off a twister to get the win. So you know he's no joke on the ground. You can't count the assassin baby out though. He's no stranger to big spots for the UFC as he headlined versus undercard fighter Sergio Pettis two years ago in Mexico City. In what is now his second UFC stint, Moreno has been sharpening his ground game, participating in grappling competitions, and he picked up a KO win in June to claim the LFA title since he's been outside of the company. It'll be interesting to see if their ground games will cancel each other out. The fact that Brandon trains at Interim, which is one of the premier MMA gyms in Mexico, with people like Polo Reyes, Jose Quinones, Martin Bravo, who are all preparing to fight on this card too, means he should be more than ready. But will it be enough to give him the victory over the undefeated debutante? We'll find out when the pin drops, the cage door locks, the thumbs go up, and they start the clock. The co-main event features 14-6 Carla, Cookie Monster, Esparza, and 11-2 Alexa Grasso in a strawweight clash. Cookie Monster was the inaugural strawweight champion, winning Tough 20 by submitting Thug Rose in round three of their finale. Unfortunately, she ran into Joanna Jelicek in her next bout, who's arguably the best strawweight ever. Carlos had mixed results since then, only able to string together two wins in a row in the UFC. As of late, she's played gatekeeper, separating the real from the fake. And it seems as if the matchmakers have booked this not so much to see where the former champ is, but to see where Grasso's ceiling may be. Like Esparza, Grasso has also had mixed results since making the jump from Invicta to the UFC. She's been trading wins and losses during this entire time. Her greatest victory was over Karolina Kovalkiewicz in June. Esparza is known for her wrestling, and Grasso has won by knockout 36% of the time. So it's clear that if it goes to the ground, Cookie Monster will look to grind it out. If it stays on the feet, Grasso will try to pick her apart. In the main event, we have 11-2, Yair El Pantera Rodriguez versus 28-16, Jeremy Little Heathen Stevens, and this fight is at featherweight. Stevens has said that his grandmother, his father, his wife, and his daughter are all Mexican. He may not be fluent in Spanish, but his corazón is for raza, and he fights like a Mexican. The 12-year UFC vet is looking to stave off his longest losing skid since moving to featherweight in 2013. The self-proclaimed hardest hitter at featherweight has only lost to the best in the division 
including Zabit Magomed Sharapov in his most recent bout. Now, Zabit is who El Pantera wanted to face in this spot, as the two have gone back and forth over the past couple years, and they were scheduled to face one another on UFC 228, which was headlined by Woodley versus Till, and arguably the best pay-per-view of last year. It's a good thing that they did not make the fight with Zabit for this card, as Zabit had to be rescheduled for his next fight anyway due to an injury. After contract issues kept the tough Latin American champ on the sidelines for a year, he came back and won in the main event of the historic 25th anniversary card for the UFC. In a fight that he was losing to Korean Zombie, El Pantera pulled off the latest chaos stoppage in UFC history with an up elbow that was part miracle, part genius, and all parts beautiful. Yair is known for his versatile striking attack, but Steven's last opponent is as well. Lil Heathen thinks that his last bout, combined with his experience, is more than enough to get him the victory. Couple that with being in Mexico City since August and training with his spirit animal, Tony Ferguson, Stevens feels he has all the tools necessary to be victorious. The odds are nearly even for this fight, and that's because it's really anyone's guess as to who walks away with the W. I've seen Jeremy's toughness up close when he headlined the UFC St. Louis car last year. Yair's sole UFC loss was to Frankie Edgar. Rodriguez has been someone that the UFC has looked to as a potential torchbearer for Mexico. Will he live up to the hype? Or will Lil Heathen's training regimen prove to be the difference? Tune in on Saturday. Log into ESPN Plus and stream the fight to find out. Up next, the official results. Are you a believer who enjoys Marvel or DC Comics? Do you just love a good superhero story? You do? Awesome. Then check out Waywater Entertainment's new digital comic, Legacy AD, now available on Amazon.com and the Amazon Kindle app. Get ready for a new superhero who loves and serves Jesus Christ. For more information, Check out LegacyADCartoon.Squarespace.com. Yo, what's good? It's your boy Double, and you are tuned in to MTMV Sports. You heard? This has been episode 109 of the MTMV main card, and if the Lord says the same, I'll be back at it again next week. CFFC will be in Ben Salem, Pennsylvania on Fight Pass this Friday as our sole regional card that's being televised. Make sure that you subscribe to MTV Sports on whatever your favorite podcasting platform is. Tell a friend about us. Show us a little love and leave us a five-star review if you are enjoying what we have for you. Dash Radio's killing the game right now. Download that app and tune in to GH3 Radio on that platform every Saturday morning at 10 Eastern, 9 Central for the MTNV Sports and Music Show. 
join the 10 million listeners on Dash Radio. Also, feel free to hit us up on the socials. MTNV Sports is a handle for all channels. Also, I want to give you a personal invite to join our recently launched Facebook group. There you get to interact directly with your favorite host and give us input on what you want to hear. Sports fans rejoice! My team, my voice. Until next time, it's your man, The Voice, Fights Correspondent for MTNV Sports and host of the MTNV Main Card. Sounding off. <laughs>